our Bibles. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would meet with us this evening as we read the text and, uh, and also teach and preach through some of it. I pray that you would please anoint this service with power from on high. Help us to hear the words that you inspired to your church. Lord, help us to hear them. Help us to hear not only the words that were written to the church of Philippi, but to hear how they apply to us, not just as a church, but as individuals. I pray that your Holy Spirit would point the things out to all of us individually that we need. I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would be evident. And Lord, I yield myself to you, and I beg that you would guide my thoughts and my speech. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and amen. You can be seated because we're going to read... We're going to do it a little bit different this week than what we did last week. Instead of starting at the first verse and, um, and just kind of reading and talking through it, we're going to read the entire chapter. Then I'll come back and make a couple comments. And my plan is to not be long. Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 1. Remember that the context of this book is that Paul the Apostle, who started this church by his evangelistic work. In Acts 16, you'll find, if I remember correctly, the work that is done here, um, or the beginning of it. The Apostle Paul is writing back to a church that God used him to reach. The word missionary doesn't appear in the Bible. It's a word that we have uh, become familiar with in modern culture to describe what the Bible calls evangelists. Now, the word evangelist is what Paul considered himself and would have been considered in his day. He was not necessarily a pastor, but a man who was called of God to evangelize the lost everywhere that he went and establish churches accordingly. The last, personally, the last true biblical evangelist that I knew that fell within the, the qualifications, or I should say maybe the, the, the pattern of an evangelist, uh, in the book of, uh, or in, in the Bible, in the New Testament, uh, would have been a man like Joe Boyd. I've referenced him on a couple of occasions. But what Joe Boyd would do is he would go, he called himself an evangelist, but he didn't travel from um, church to church preaching like modern evangelists do. I'm not necessarily against that model. It's not necessarily the biblical meaning of the word evangelist. But today evangelists essentially travel from church to church. Some evangelists have the idea that they are God's gift to the churches, um, and I believe that God uses evangelists, but they're not being used by the, uh, in the modern way, uh, the way that they were in the biblical pattern. The biblical pattern was that a man would go to a place that did not have a church. He would preach the gospel, see if people would receive the word, and if they would, then they would, they would with those people, start an assembly, which is a church. And then after some teaching and preaching and, and discipling, which would sometimes take months, sometimes take years, then they would find a preacher to take that church. One of the most popular preachers that we know that traveled with, Timothy, uh, with Paul was named Timothy. Timothy eventually became the pastor of the church at Ephesus. So that, that was the pattern in those days. Paul is writing back to the church of Philippi, essentially as a, a founding pastor and missionary. So we got through the first chapter, we saw that... Um, he expressed his thankfulness and his great love for them in the first chapter. He expressed confidence in the good work that God had begun in them and said it was necessary for him to believe that they would allow God to do that work because it is necessary for a preacher to believe that of his people. Um, 
Every preacher who invests in the spiritual lives of his people has a great desire for them to live for God. And he expresses that in chapter 1. He prays that their love would abound in knowledge and in judgment towards each other and towards God. He explains his bondage is for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ and expresses his mindset while he is in uh, prison in Rome. Um, and then we get to the last few verses of chapter 1 where he says only... Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. He says, look, here is my desire and one of the, the reasons why I'm writing this letter. First of all, to instruct you all on some things that God has inspired me to instruct you about. He said, second of all, to make sure that you stay together and that you keep one spirit and one mind so that you can strive together, together for the furtherance of the gospel. He reminds them that that is the purpose of the church. Now we get into chapter 2. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Tim Timothy shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I supposed it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, 
And not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I send him therefore the more carefully, that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation. Because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please guide and direct in this reflection time upon your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. We get into those first couple verses. And how can you not hear in verses 1 and 2 Paul's cry? He says, if therefore be any consolation in Christ, he says, you if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. He said, if you care for me at all, in any of these ways, fulfill ye my joy. He says, do this for me, which will make me joyful. In other words, Paul was in bondage in prison. Do you remember chapter 1? He was in bondage in prison in Rome. Right? We use these terms, but what does it mean? I mean, think about it. Paul is in prison simply for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And... He's doing it for these churches. He's out there trying to reach the lost and he's starting churches. He says, I do these things for you all. And I am often imprisoned for it. And he says, if, if you care for me at all, if you have any desire to give me joy, do this for me. Do you see it in verse number 2? Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind, Y'all, I, 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 cannot, I cannot read these, these passages and, and do this tonight without first reminding you of what the Lord has been doing over the past few weeks to draw our attention to this subject matter. Now, the messages recently have all been pointing in this direction. And, y'all, I, I can't orchestrate those things as well as they have been orchestrated. Too many moving parts. Only the Lord could have done it. Let me draw it to your attention. Um, when, we, when we started on Missions Month two Sundays ago, I had been settled most of the week that I was supposed to preach out of John chapter 4. I thought at some point I was supposed to be preaching the first half or so of John chapter 4. As I, I came together with an already written message out of that, that book of the Bible, and it encompassed much of the chapter, but uh, that message did. But as I came, as I came to my, my prayer time on Saturday night a couple of weeks ago to make sure and, 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 and settle my heart on whether or not this is what the Lord wanted, uh, it became clear to me that He wanted me to switch directions. And I remember telling you I complained about it a little bit. I mean, you put all that work into studying and prayer and, and, and the things that go into uh, uh, trying to come up with the thoughts and the illustrations and the, the, uh, adding the, 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 uh, the, the, the things that will make the passage make sense to you. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to write a message. So when the Lord switched things kind of late on Saturday night, I went, uh, all right, Lord, I guess if I have to, I really don't want to do this, but we'll start over. Well, I thought I was going to have to start from scratch. But it kind of turned into a mishmash of the thoughts that God had given me earlier in the week and then a couple of new things. Well, then that Sunday night, Brother Caleb gets up and he says, so I preach on Sunday morning, I only got to point one. And 
Sunday night, Brother Caleb gets up and he said, when Brother Josh started reading that passage, I thought, oh no, a couple weeks ago God laid this passage on my heart and he's going to preach my message. And then I thought, well good, he started in the beginning of the chapter, so he's probably not going to preach that portion of the passage. And then he went to that portion of the passage and he preached it. And he said, I thought, this is a great thought. I've never really thought of this before. And I called my dad about it all excited and said, Dad, look at this. And I was telling my wife about it. And I was talking, look at this. I've never seen this before. I'm, I think I might preach that. And then, and then I preached it Sunday morning. And we talked about that Sunday night. I didn't even notice this until um, like Monday or Tuesday after he said that, that the, the, the verse out front was that verse on the sign out front. Um, I had to come clean with him a few days later. I said, I want you to know, I did not, and I hate to say this, but I didn't even recognize the, the verse that you had put on the front sign. And I promise you, I didn't read that and go, boy, that's a good message. Um, but God had been working on his heart. He put it on the front sign and, and wrote his message for that youth service concerning those things. And then, or, or for that, it wasn't youth service, but for that, that presentation on that Sunday night. Then my girls tell me that uh, uh, Miss Julie, on, in, during Sunday school hour this past Sunday morning, is in the book of Philippians chapter 2, correct? These few verses? Or something like it? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Does that sound familiar? She was in John. Never mind. Forget it all. Uh, but talking about selflessness... Talking about considering others, would that be accurate? Okay, good. At least we're on the same subject matter. Now she's just being nice, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Sunday school, Miss Julie is on the subjects of selflessness and, and esteeming other better than themselves. And then, uh, then Sunday morning, I come in and preach, not knowing that, not knowing that that's where she had been, and I preach a message entirely about others. All about others, right? And our spirit towards others. Sunday night, not knowing what I had preached, this past Sunday night, not knowing what I had preached, uh, Brother Delaney comes in and he preaches about our spirit towards others being the heart of missions. No clue what I had been preaching. No clue what Miss Julie had been preaching. Uh, Right? No clue. Wednesday nights, we're in the book of Philippians, and here we are in this book. And we come back to the subject matter of others. Only God can do those things. Is everybody alright? Only God can do those things. So, he says, if there is any care or concern for me and the things I'm going through, if you want to give me joy while I'm in bondage in prison, do this for me, please. Fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded. Having the same love. Being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. I'm not going to read the whole chapter again. Don't get nervous. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now remember, 
Chapter 1 closes with this thought. He says, I want to hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And now he spends nearly the entire second chapter on this idea that churches cannot thrive in the cause of sharing the gospel if they are not singularly minded and in one accord. If you have a similar love and compassion, if you have the same goal, then there has to be a knowledge of what that goal is supposed to be. If he says, I want you to be like-minded, I want you to be of one mind, having the same love, then he's telling them, I want you to be unified in your direction in your mind and in your love. Now, he says that in chapter 1. It's, it's important for us to understand that Paul is trying to get them to love each other more, to love God more, and to love the lost. And so as a result, he continues repeating these phrases. The entire design and purpose of the church is described to us in Matthew chapter number 16, which I preached a few weeks ago. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Churches have lost their way. When we get the idea that the purpose of the church is for us to come and hear preaching, then we have lost our way. The purpose of the church is not for, people, for God's people to only gather and be edified but also to be edified so that we can go out and perform His will of seeing the lost come to Christ. That is, y'all, when He said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, I preached this on that very poorly attended service for our Vision Sunday that Sunday night. The idea that we, have not, we, we are not being attacked by gates. Gates don't move. They're stationary. So when God said the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church, He was not saying I established a church so that they can defend themselves from the wiles of the devil. He was saying I have established my church so that they can go attack the gates of hell. Well, How do we attack the gates of hell, y'all? I don't know how else to do that other than to, to try to snatch people from the burning. I don't know how else to do that except, and of some have compassion making a difference, and others save with fear. Hello? I don't know how else to do it except we do the one thing we have been commissioned by God to do. It was said by somebody here recently. Last words are important. And the last thing that Jesus said to His disciples personally, and the last thing that He said to His people publicly before He left, was that you need to go and preach the Gospel unto every creature and be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can be witnesses unto Me. Calvary Baptist Church has not been organized to sit here and listen to preaching. We have been organized by God and fitly joined together to perform a task. And what is that task? Striving together for the faith of the gospel. That is the task we've been organized for. Every teenager and every adult in this room has been organized for that task. Every one of us have been put together for that purpose. 
How can the church be like-minded if we don't have the same purpose? If we don't even know what our purpose is? How many realize that we have been organized by God for the purpose of attacking the gates of hell and for trying to reach the lost? That is why God established His church. Every member has been placed here by God for a purpose. As He calls it, fitly joined together. Some praying, some working on the facilities, some preaching, some singing, some teaching, some cleaning, some constructing, but all witnessing. All equipping the church to send the gospel forth and preach the gospel locally and abroad. That's what we are supposed to be striving together for. And if we're to have one mind and one love, it must be centered around one thing. Hello? And when you put all of your love into the Lord Jesus Christ, He then redirects it into the brethren and into the lost. If you love your Savior, you will love the things that He loves. If you love your Savior, you will love the things that He loves. And He loves the people sitting next to you, and He loves those that need to be told about heaven. Now then, He says in these verses, we need to be of one mind. And then he talks about what could tear the church apart and cause them, as verse number 16 says, to not be able to hold forth the word of life that he may rejoice in the day of Christ. He gives them a whole bunch of instruction about letting nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. And he goes on this talk about humbling ourselves and, and loving others. Right? Loving others. He's talking to them about their relationships and their spirit towards the brethren and how that if they don't keep that right, it will tear the church apart and make the... the, the uh, uh, oh, what's, I'm trying to, to quote the, the something in, in, in ground of the truth. The pillar and ground of the truth, which is the church. Blow it up so that it can't be effective in its region or support the missionaries across the world. And y'all, I, I have said since the day that I got here, and not because I thought there were necessarily any unique problems at our church about this, but I've said since the day I got here that if there is any one thing I will preach the most about and preach the most against, it is disunity in the church because it destroys the ability for God's church to have a couple of things. One, the Holy Spirit power and presence of God. And two, the ability to be unified in one cause, which is to reach the lost. Churches all across America today have forgotten why we have been assembled in every place by God Himself. If all we have been put together to do is to come sing and hear a little preaching and go home, then we have a very small purpose. A very small purpose. There are churches all across this region that do that. And how's that helping America right now? How are we doing, America? Our churches are swelling. One of my spiritual heroes, Dr. Gomez, always said that churches today, these modern, um, th these modern churches that don't stand for anything, he would always say they might be growing in number, but he said it's not healthy growth, it's more like swelling. 
because they have unconverted, unrepentant sinners filling their seats and they're doing everything in their power to preach a prosperity gospel to keep money coming in, but they're not helping anybody repent or be converted. So instead, I shouldn't say they're not helping anybody, but they're not helping many repent or be converted. So instead what's happening is these churches are filling up with sin and sinners and it's more like the swelling that you see from an animal on the side of the road in the dead of summer. An animal that is growing on the side of the road after it's been hit by a car is not healthy growth. It's poisonous growth. It's, it's the leaven that leaveneth the whole lump. These places are filling up with sin. All the meanwhile, America's going to hell and we're more concerned about politics than we are souls. And y'all, I will organize against the socialist one, one world movement of our country. I, I will preach against that. I will move against it. I, I say you need to vote in people that, that, that uh, are, are uh, electable by the principles in your Bible. Vote by principles, not by feelings. But if we got as passionate about people dying and going to hell as we do about politics, we would make a much larger effect in our country. But he talks to them about their unity, their humility towards each other. Why would that be, church? Because he starts this statement with saying that I want you to strive together for the faith of the gospel. And then he says, if you, want to, if you want to bring me any joy in my bondage, let me hear that you all have one love and one mind and that you are esteeming each other better than yourselves and that you are not living for self. How in the world can the, can the church do the job that we are called to do if we are against each other? It doesn't work. These passages express the selflessness and servitude that is required in the heart of every member for the furtherance of the gospel. Christ is given to us as an example. And by the way, it's not just His works, it's His mind. Remember where the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus? What mind? Having lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. He's not just focusing on the works of Christ. He's work, focusing on the mind of Christ. He talks about serving God's people and holding forth the word of life and how it requires a mindset of lowliness. What does that lowliness of mind mean? Do you see it in verse number 3? Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Hey, church, do we see that? Nothing. Let nothing. Can we say that? Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Nothing. Not a single work in the church should be done through strife or vainglory. What is strife or vainglory? You're striving with somebody in the church. Just can't get over it. You, just, you two just keep striving against each other. Vainglory. Lifting myself up so I can have the glory. Selflessness, not selfishness. Only by pride cometh contention. If you're always having contention with somebody, it is because of selfishness, not selflessness. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Others, Lord, yes, others. 
right? Lowliness of mind, it means having a humble opinion of oneself, a deep sense of one's moral littleness. It means having humility, but it doesn't mean worthlessness. God is not telling you to view or telling us to view ourselves as being above anybody else. And he's not telling us to view ourselves as being worthless. We aren't the center of our own world and we aren't more important than others. That is what he is trying to convey to us. You're not above anybody. You have the same value that everybody else does. And as a result, if we would have the same mind that Christ had when He was here in the flesh, where He humbled Himself and made Himself in the form of a servant, and esteemed the cause of the lost to be greater than His own needs, that's the mindset we're supposed to have. that he loved his crazy apostles even when they were crazy. That's the mindset we're supposed to have. So then we get to it here in verse number 16 and we'll be finished. Holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain. Neither labored in vain. Do you understand what he just said? He said, if this church does not continue to hold forth the word of life, I will not be able to rejoice and I will feel like everything I have done was wasted. Hello? He said, if this church does not hold forth the word of life, then I, what does that mean? Spread and share the gospel. He says, then I will be as if I had wasted my time on you. Now think about this. How many people have labored? How many people have labored over the generations that we can have the gospel that we hold here? How many people have labored that Calvary Baptist Church would be in existence so that it can continue to shed forth the word of life and to send it abroad? How many people? Could, could you number it? Probably not. But could you think of somebody that has personally invested in Calvary Baptist Church that is a reason why this place is here? And Paul says, if you don't continue to hold forth the word of life, then it will be as if I had run in vain and labored in vain. The whole point of all of this is to point to the church that their spirit with each other is the health of their ministry. And the health of their ministry means the health of the cause. Are, are you catching it? Hey, Calvary, it is not a coincidence that nearly everything over the last two weeks has been pointing the same direction. Here is my question. 
I know it's a Wednesday night, and, we, and, and many times we come in tired. And, but I'm just asking you to consider one thing. If God is doing this much to get one message out, are we listening? Why would God want one message to be repeated over and over and over again? Why? Without any orchestration of my own. Why? Why would He do that? Do you suppose that even through some of the distractions of the day and some of the weariness that we experience on Wednesdays that maybe He would have us to stop for just a moment here and consider what He's saying? You think maybe? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that You'd please help us as, as a church to hear the words that are being spoken repeatedly by multiple sources. That our focus would be on others and not just those that are lost, Lord, but those that are in our midst so that the church can remain healthy and vibrant for the work of the Gospel. Lord, please help us to hear the Word. Help us, Lord, please, to have spiritual ears and to hear. With heads bowed and eyes closed,